What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Ride Share Rodeo, Uber Lyft Driver and Gig Economy News. Sponsored by UberLiftDrivers.com, RideShareRodeo.com, WithPara.com. I'm your host, SJ, and it is time to get it on. So, yesterday we did a live uh, podcast with Willie Solace um, with the Gig Workers Collective. Um, Willie and I talked uh, through quickly through the AB5 Prop 22 um, timeline, and then we moved into the PRO Act and um, basically kind of discussed the take on unions and not unions and how does the PRO Act actually read. And... We had a very casual and great discussion. We had some great guests in the live broadcast. Thank you to any of you, uh, any of you who caught part of it, maybe who are listening to this now to the full thing. Um, but we were glad to have the questions. Uh, we will be doing more live podcasts for sure, and then rebroadcasting them the next day when the podcast drops. That said, um, we had a very good discussion, I think. Um, it's something you don't see often. Usually you talk about AB5, Prop 22, AB2257, uh, Pro Act, uh, ABC test, and all of those tend to ring bells with people where if they have a conversation, it ends up getting so escalated, you're missing all of the content because it's more of a yelling match. Um, same thing on social media. I know we don't hear the yells, but we hear the yells. You can read texts, tweets, messages, um, Facebook posts, whatever, and you can hear the yells in those. There, It can almost be worse. Um, but this, I think we had a very good conversation about it, and it was absolutely a good start. The, I mean, the only downside I, I would say we had is that we decided we would do it for an hour, and at the end of the hour, um, there were still a lot of questions coming in. A lot more people were joining. Um, so hopefully uh, Willie said that he's happy to come back and uh, continue the conversation. And I hope we do get to. Uh, there was a couple other things I wanted to hit on. Um, but again, we were taking some some people's questions and whatnot. But uh, I definitely wanted to talk about the right-to-work states, the 27 right-to-work states. And a couple other things. So hopefully we'll get Willie back on um, in the somewhat near future um, and uh, continue the conversation. I think that he and I both uh, enjoyed it, and we think we got out some good information. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Willie on, and uh, let's talk about uh, app-based gig work, uh, independent contractor status, self-employed, freelancers, and uh, the PRO Act, people. Um, so Willie is uh, a ship shopper um, and lead organizer with the Gig Worker Collective. Um, and uh, we're really happy to have him here today. So Willie, what's up? Thanks for coming. <laughs> hey, thank you. Thank you so much for, for having me. I really enjoyed our discussion last week, and I'm looking forward to having a good good conversation on this stuff today. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I was saying, you just heard it, uh, where, uh, where to begin with this, um, for some reason I'm digging off the, okay, uh, Jimmy and David, um, I'm on my back, so I'm getting pinged left and right here. <laughs> uh, um, but anyway, uh, should we start with AB2257? Should we walk the timeline a little bit or should we, I mean, I don't want to just jump to proact. Cause you and I covered so much ground and it took a long time. And I know that today, you know, we've got this hour here. So what do you think? How do we best optimize what we were talking about to start anyway? I think from there I got it and you've got it and we can guide it, but where, where should we jump in here? Yeah, I think a quick timeline would be probably the most ideal um, way to get this started. Um, you know, specifically starting back when AB5 was even con conceptualized um, and, where it came from, you know, I think a lot of people um, do have that information and know where it came from, but don't really understand um, the ramifications of AB5 in general in California um, and how applicable law came into play here. Because I think um, that's where a lot of the a lot of the issues come from and stem from is 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 the 
the feeling that that AB5 got rammed down people's throats, so to speak, right? And I think it's really important to kind of establish that, sti- that timeline, um, understand what was existing, what wasn't. Um, because one of the, the latest things that I've been, been uh, confronted with or people actually are, are really um, adamant about is that the AB5, or I'm sorry, the ABC test is the real problem. Um, but the reality is ABC has been around for, for a very long time and, and in different forms and, and formats, and it's actually codified into various laws. So I think understanding that history is really important to the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so with AB5, so basically uh, one thing for sure that I you, 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 Willie, you can correct me at any time if I'm wrong, but I think that both of Willie and I believe is that, um, at least here for me for sure, I, I don't want to see a forced hand of unions. You know, if there's some kind of option that can be done along the way before we get into this, that's I think that I've made this kind of clear to people that listen to the show. But that's what I want. I would love the, for people to have the option, but I don't want to be forced into that. For me, right. that's and, for me. Yep. You know, to each to, to each his own. Again, market to market's a thing. All kinds of factors here, but to each his own. And you might have your reasons. You might have done all your all your research, and for you, that's what it is. But for me, um, I would I prefer to be an IC because I do other work outside of app based gig economy too that also falls under these same kind of titles and. For me, I prefer independent contractor. I need the flexibility. Um, you know, I know that there's a, a group of people who believe that the flexibility would remain um, under these type of um, rules, under like an AB5 type thing. Um, but you guys got to remember that was, that's an employment status. Um, and that's, you, you absolutely, I, I really don't know how to get it across that the flexibility would be gone. Willie, do you, not, do you agree with this? Uh, no, I actually disagree um, because on the, the flexibility on the flexibility. Yeah. In that part particular, I, I disagree. Um, the model itself, um, the gig work model, when you, when you relate it to Uber, um, Lyft, DoorDash, and all the other companies that are involved in, in gig work, um, they, um, they basically operate on, on demand service. And so for them to predict um, demand is very, very difficult. Um, so there, are, there's always going to be that need for flexibility on the part of the the uh, the, the workforce to be able to um, mobilize when demand increases. So I, from that from that standpoint, I, I disagree. When it comes down to independent contractor work, though, um, that is a little bit fundamentally different than than gig work. Um, so when I speak of gig work, I'm talking specifically app based work. Um, and when right. I talk about independent contractor work, I speak of off-app-based work like construction workers, uh, freelance writers, so on and so forth. Um, right. But so wait, but, but one thing like, to clarify, are you, I mean, are you, are, you, are, you thinking, are you saying that you think um, the flexibility on all platforms for all the amount of people would be there and that these companies would allow – Anytime signing on kind of thing. This is just app based. I'm asking. Yeah, 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 and, and that's a, that's a very fair point and question. Um, and and I honestly do believe so. And here's why. Um, in August, right before the um, the uh, Prop 22 passed, um, you know, get uh, Uber just had just lost in in court, and um, the uh, Uber CEO was directly asked, you know, what do you see happening if Prop 22 um, you know, fails. And his response was pretty immediate. Um, and he said that he signaled that they were considering uh, allowing a uh, licensing model. Under a licensing model, understand that flexibility, independence, that's probably the truest form that we would have because at that point in time, that is your own independent business. What you would be doing is paying Uber a fee, a licensing fee to access their software in order for you to gain access to uh, the platform. Um, so that would increase the ability for workers to log on when they wanted to work independently. Um, and of course, it'd be all on demand. Um, people, if, if there was high demand, then obviously that's when the worker would want to jump on the app itself to, to get to work. Um, so it's, it's all supply and demand and, and it's, it's, it's uh, value driven. And how do you provide that service to the customer? Um, so when you consider all that in, in, in consideration to what we actually have now, which is great controls exercised by 
um, these Git companies, I think that's where um, the flexibility we would have is paramount um, and would be uh, one-upped by a licensing model as opposed to um, the type of model that we have today. Yeah, um, I guess my, you know, my thing becomes, I look at what happened in New York City when they tried the, the minimum wage, 15, 16, whatever it was, plus the expenses and all that. And it didn't work like that. What we ended up having was um, uh, um, a bunch of people who were, you know, the upper echelons, the people with, I'm just going to make up some numbers here, 50,000 rides, five stars, 50,000 rides, five stars. They were getting the first pick of shifts and then it would kind of tear down a little bit. So people who might have been like turning on the app 50 hours a week by the end were literally only able to grab 20 hours maybe. And they were shifts they didn't work. Um, they didn't, you know, really want to. If you didn't, if you were logging in, you were getting uh, you were getting pushed back even farther down that line. And I just don't see how. I mean, it's, if if it's, if it's a minimum wage situation, I don't see how. You pay everybody, even if you've got it to the point where you're just doing it while they're driving. I understand and that's somebody else. So another thing that people should probably understand is you can't sit at your house, turn the app on, and you're just going to make money for doing laundry. <laughs> so, I mean, would, the scenario would create a whole other situation where they, there would have to be checks and balances on the fact that are you driving? Are you working? When they send you a call, do you take it? I mean, does it become your choice? Because as an employee, you, know, you probably have to. <laughs> I, um, so I, I guess I, I kind of question it on that level. I'm, I'm curious how how you think that these companies that already, like Uber, can't turn a profit, would even pay people. Yeah, and I mean, to, that's... that's... That's a very Go fair ahead. point. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 No, I mean, that's a very fair point. And under an employment model, of course, um, gig companies would have that power over over the worker um, for sure. Um, but I, I, would, I, would, I would argue that that is, is um, the furthest thing from reality as far as like it becoming to, to fruition. And here's why. The cost associated with making us employees is extremely high. Um, you're talking about having to cover not only the the actual protections, the social safety nets that are like, you know, unemployment, depending on where you work, um, in which state, some states require, um, uh, they require workman's compensation, and there's various other social safety nets that they would have to pay into. Um, so that cost alone is, is very, very high, not to mention the fact that they would have to cover expenses like your vehicle insurance and associated um, costs that are associated with that, the overhead that, that drivers actually have. Um, and often gets um, looked over. Um, there are two costs associated with sitting around, looking at the app, waiting to see which which orders you're, which assignments you're going to take. Um, you know that I know that that's a topic of debate. Some people feel that we shouldn't get paid for for that kind of stuff. Um, but the reality is that we're sitting there trying to uh, cherry pick, call it whatever you want, where we're looking for the best deal for us. Um, so from that standpoint, an employee model would it give people a little bit more control over us, right? And um, allow them to dictate um, a little bit more of what we do. And, and I'm 100% with you, you know, having had an independent contractor background since 2008, um, having run my own businesses and having my own employees at one point, I can tell you, I, I definitely don't want to be an employee of Uber or Lyft or Shipt or Instacart or any of these other apps. Um, but I would submit that you know, the reality of the costs that are associated with all that are so high and unreachable and unattainable that they would, their first look would be to, uh, to talk about licensing and, and giving us full, full access to the apps under a, a subscription type model. Um, and they've talked about it and they've signaled that, that it's there. Do they, you know, bring it to the forefront? Absolutely not. It doesn't benefit them to. They lose a tremendous amount of revenue if we go into that type of model. But the problem is that nobody is forcing them to make those decisions. Instead, what they're doing is they're running campaigns of disinformation um, all across the entire country talking about that we're all going to lose our jobs. There's, um, If you think about it, the gig economy at this point um, represents a service or a value to the economy as a whole, um, society as a whole that cannot just easily be done done away with. 
Um, that would be like signaling that grocery stores are going to go away tomorrow. At this point, that's how fundamentally necessary our, 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 our jobs are. I mean, they, they've even gone as far as calling us, um, you know, heroes during the pandemic. I tend to disagree with that because we are doing a service and we are working. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that's how far society has gone to see us in, in, in the role that we play in it. Um, so I think there's a little bit more consideration to do um, outside of just looking at this. Is, is this going to be an employee or independent contractor model and really force the hand of these gig economy companies um, to stop basically playing games with, um, you know, basically literally word games with, with the lives of, of the people that, that uh, provide the services um, because we are the product that they sell, that we are the service that they sell. Um, they want to call themselves technology companies and that they just connect us with, with writers or, or, or right. uh, orders as far as delivery. But we're more than that. And these companies control more of, of what we do um, every single day and they're growing in power. And if you're looking at the New York model, I would ask that you also look at the California model um, and understand that Prop 22 and what is going on in California is more of the model that they want. Um, that's why they push it. And they've pushed it. Right. And I, 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 yeah, I shouldn't have even I once I stepped into New York, I was like, what am I doing? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> we should focus on that because um, and real quickly, I want to give a shout out to my non app based gig workers out there in California that have been just devastated because you and I were talking about this, how they kind of got cast into the net because they made the net a little bigger instead of just going after the original target of app-based gig workers and these platforms that serve as middlemen, they accidentally, or they got a little, maybe got a little greedy and threw the net maybe a little too far because I mean, you know, musicians, writers, all the carve-outs, doctors, lawyers, I mean, you just name it, independent contractors, self-employed people of all walks of life were um, destroyed during this pandemic in California. I've spoke with many of them, um, and they really are. I mean, they've been in business for 30 years, and they're shut down. They're done. Um, you know, I don't know if even some of them might be never to come back, so I, I don't know. I mean, I know that when you and I were talking last week, this, this seems to have really hurt like the 500,000 they were going after really seems to have hurt an extra million more than the 500,000 group because of prop 22, which ended up exempting the 500,000, but didn't help at all the people that got caught in the net. Right. Absolutely. And I can empathize 100% with, um, with those people that were that were devastated by the pandemic and and um, the ramifications of that, um, you know, but I, I think um, it's important to note here that, you know, Prop, uh, Prop 22 is is an exemption to law. Um, basically, it's a codification or basically writing into law a statute, um, you know, what the courts were finding. And that's that um, gig workers um, or in the capacity of the controls that that gig economies place on gig workers. Um, was placing them in the realm of employee status. And that happened before the pandemic. And, um, you know, AB5 was crafted, I think it was September um, or something like that of 2019. Um, and then, um, or, you know, passed in, around that time frame, and then came into law on January 1st of 2020, just right before the pandemic actually hit us. Um, so I think that that's a, 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 where a lot of the sticking points are. Um, in how it was passed and and what it meant for uh, for for unintended um, parties, and I can tell you that um, from my personal standpoint, obviously I believe that um, our rights uh, or um, our uh, our fight should should not be at the at the hands or or the detriment of another um, for sure. But likewise, ours ours positioning shouldn't be at, at the detriment of another's either. Um, and I think that that balance was never struck because the two sides were polarized based on political and ideological beliefs um, where people couldn't come together like we are today to have these conversations. Um, and I think it's really vitally important that we sit down and, and talk to each other one on one about what it is that is affecting us and how we can find some common ground. Because um, in talking to freelancers and talking to gig workers from across the country, which is what I do on a every single day basis, um, I right. can tell you that there are so much, so many commonalities in between the stories. 
um, that it's absolutely crucial that we talk to each other and work together to find e equal ground. When And the last point that I'll make here before I throw it back to you is um, when Prop 22 came around in, in uh, November, I can tell you that the personal attacks were, were really high um, in regards to advocating for gig workers and, and for us to actually even say anything um, that was concerning, you know, our fight and to say why, how Prop 22 would affect us. I mean, it, and it was coming from people that it wasn't even going to uh, affect. Um, an exemption to, to law by Prop 22 is actually a conscious um, concession by the gig companies that we were um, misclassified as employees. Does that mean that I want to be an employee? No, it does not. Um, so I think that that conversation is a little bit deeper um, and one that we should have. And um, I hope we, we get to it on, the, on this call. So right as you were saying that, we had um, um, a San Francisco listener uh, put in a question that you and I kind of discussed last week. Um, I think that when you were saying what, how you were saying it as a subscription, uh, this person asks, uh, under the franchise model, could there be different franchisees, um, one that hires their drivers full-time and manages their schedules, but another franchisee who has the roster of non-managed drivers? My understanding is that Uber would choose certain franchisee, franchisees. Um, all of the old Uber black model rather than everyone being a franchisee. Very great question. I did yeah. follow it. And, and it's an amazing <laughs> question to ask and one that I'd love to answer. Um, you know, what they decide to do is ultimately up to each individual gig company and the demand that they, that they get um, during um, a, let's say peak time um, that would surely drive their decision-making. I can't say one way or the other what Uber would do in that regard. Like, um, would they choose one one franchisee over another, or one one driver over another based on past performances or whatnot? But number one, they they're the ones that own that data. We gave them inadvertently access to all that data uh, for them to control and and for them to dictate what they do with. And then secondly, um, what's the difference now? I mean, at at the end of the day, an algorithm uh, an algorithm decides um, whether or not we work. And I'll give you an example. This weekend, I logged on to three apps, um, you know, that I, I commonly use, and I was ready to work. Nine o'clock came around. I'm ready to roll. And all three apps required me to sign on to a schedule, um, and I couldn't work um, for several hours that day. Um, so when you talk about flexibility and the ability to work when you want to work, that's not always there. Um, and then when you tie that into the franchisee conversation, um, the same thing's going to apply. These companies are going to do what's what's best for them. They always have and they always will. Um, and I sure. think it's going to be supply driven. And I think that at the end of the day, um, the franchise franchisee model would be 100 percent dictated by the demand that they that they have. Um, and if they have a high demand like they do now in certain parts of the day, um, they're not going to care if you're uh, black or or if you're more um, the driver that was accepting every single order. They just want somebody to fill that order or to pick right. up that ride. Exactly. So, I mean, I think that those so, considerations need also, to be brought into the conversation, too. Also, I think that we would have a, I mean, a situation where, like, franchisees, you know, like, let's take San Francisco and just kind of really broaden the area. Because, I mean, like, for an, uh, an area like San Francisco, who knows how many different franchises would be allowed. It might not just be per capita. They might allow 30 or whatever. But let's say they allowed it, like, five made them like boroughs and one of them was like 90% of the business. I mean, these, obviously that franchise owner, his whole business, his whole way of making money is going to be to make sure that he is trimming every excess dollar off payroll. That's all he's mm -hmm. going to do. I mean, that'll be his life. Cut mm -hmm. payroll will make money. So, I mean, it, it will become a, a, um, truly a demand-based thing. I mean, like, if you're not needed, you're not needed. You're not going to, you're not going to be on there. I mean, why, why would he pay you? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that's, that's you know, exactly it, what we are in now. That's, that's the whole, that's the whole point that I'm trying to make here is what's yeah. the difference between right now? I mean, like I said, this Saturday, um, I, I sat in my car for literally three hours, right. And reading tweets and, um, looking at Facebook, trying to see when these, these, these apps were going to get busy. 
Um, so there's not much of a difference between what, what we have now as opposed to what you're describing. I mean, I totally get it. You know, they're, they're going to try and find I mean, ways the to maximize I guess the difference the for me, the big, the one big difference for me, one huge difference would be like, um, as a six year plus driver in, uh, um, in Denver here for rideshare. Now I, I know I set my own schedule. Like I make sure that I, I do it like a job. I treat it like a job. It's my company. I, I don't care. Like Uber's a Uber's a cog in my system, but it's not. I mean, it's just I write what I'm going to work. I know I sometimes have to give up a lot of things in my life. I'm a father. You know, I have friends that go to concerts, things like that. I have to give up a lot because I know that those are the same the same nights that I have to do things. I would hate to be put on somebody's a franchisee's schedule. Or something being told, hey, you're working here, here. Like, I don't want, like, for me personally, that doesn't work because I don't want to make a floor pay, which often becomes a ceiling or very close to it. Um, I want to make what I know I make when I work. And again, this runs into a market to market issue, too. I know that some markets, this isn't a doable thing. Some people right. don't have this flexibility, like Denver, where mo so many people. You know, the, the, the age group is 25 to 35, like the huge, the big, uh, population here. Most of what, I mean, a huge percentage don't have cars. Parking's difficult. Um, it's a night crowd that likes to go out. So these are factors that lead into my market being a very good market to do rideshare in. I mean, this, this, so it varies night to day. I mean, we, that is another factor that the model needs to take into account is that, you know, what is your market like? Because there are our markets you might sit. I, I can't remember ever in my life, and I haven't been on since the pandemic, but rideshare pre-pandemic, I, I don't remember ever for my life waiting more than 10 minutes for a ride in Denver, uh -huh. ever. Uh -huh. I mean, usually I'm back-to-back. -back, I'm picking up while I'm still on a ride. So, right, right. Um, and, 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 and just to point out, I saw this question here in the chat, um, sitting for three hours. Yeah. I sat for three hours, um, waiting for, for assignments. And I just wanted to point out based on what you're talking about right now is that, um, you know, there is a little bit of a difference between, um, ride hell, uh, ride share driving and, 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 um, what, what I do, which is -based um, delivery -based or... delivery work. Right. Um, and, and so if there's no, there's no demand, which it tends to slow down quite a bit during like after lunch or so on and so forth, um, certain times are peak, um, over others, of course, just like I'm sure it is in rideshare, but there are these lulls where there is no work. Um, and we just basically sit around and I think it's not so much of a franchisee model that I, that I was talking about. It's more of a licensing model that I was referring to. Um, and I'm not trying to backtrack or nothing here. I just want to make sure that I, no, no, I that. actually, I actually um, want, I want, yeah. Cause you and I talked about this. So I was hoping that we would bring that back around and actually talk about that. Cause that's a different thing. That's a totally different thing. Yeah. And that's what they were signaling that they were going to do. That's what Uber signaled that they were going to do a licensing model. And a licensing model is totally fundamentally different than a, than a franchisee model. A, a licensing model would be like basically you, um, you yourself would have uh, to pay Uber a subscription fee, which is they're a technology company, like a web hosting company. You would pay them a fee to access and put data on, on, a, on a hosting provider. Is much the same thing what uh, a licensing model would be under under an Uber, under a, sh a shipped or uh, a grocery delivery company's um, app. You would have to pay access money money for access, so to speak, to have access to their platform um, for them to connect you to workers. That's really what they tout themselves to be, and are extremely different than than that type of model. Um, and if you read all their their contracts, and I, I, I believe me, I have. Um, I haven't read Ubers and Lyft just just for the record, but. I have read Instacart, Ships, um, DoorDash, Grubhub, and all those, and I can tell you every single one of them talks about them being a technology company. Um, yet they're 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 increasing their 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 prices on every single item, so they're more of a reseller than they are a technology company. Um, but that said, oh, under yeah. a licensing model, <laughs> they would definitely be in a situation where it would be where um, I would log on when I wanted to work that kind of thing. Um, seems to be the most apparent because um, as some of these people, uh, some of the comments in the chat of it being a logistical nightmare, I can imagine that it would be. Um, but it is a logistical nightmare now. You know, it's it's all based on demand <laughs> on when people sign on and when people, you know, want to take these orders. Because I can tell you I'm one of them people that's very oh, selective just, about what I take. 
last, I mean, real quickly, not just to get sidetracked, but real quickly here, last week we had Andre Courier, Ron, um, on, mm-hmm. the sh- on the podcast, and we were str- we were only talking about app-based food delivery services. And he brought up how, how actually they differ a bit. You know what I mean? Like Grubhub, mm-hmm. he was explaining to me how in the beginning of the pa- pandemic they were great here in our market. But then the way that they dispatched their orders – was making it much more difficult as the pandemic went on. Then Uber Eats came up, then DoorDash topped them, then there were too many DoorDashes. So, I mean, they actually aren't operating on these exact same algorithms, even though they're much alike. They do operate on a little bit different ones, but yeah, I can can see what you're saying. I mean, I know that DoorDash, didn't DoorDash try like same thing, like trying to like schedule shifts. And I know he was saying last week on the podcast, you were able to do that if you were like a top dasher and all this, but then you could, mm-hmm. but then he was saying you could still log in anyway. So that not was on DoorDash. To me I was, yeah. DoorDash is, no, is, is a little, DoorDash is a little strange of a, of a little beast there. Um, they do that um, scheduling thing still. Um, and if you're like this, going back to this weekend, right. Cause I can, that's the most current experience that I have. Um, when I was sitting there, it said, we're too busy, but if you want to sign on to the schedule, we can try and get you on later. Um, something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what right. they were referring to in the, in their message. Um, and, and Grub, Grubhub does the same thing. Um, you can get on their, um, open queue, so to speak, but <laughs> you're going to be sitting there a while before something comes through. Um, I think, I think that's what it was. And, and he was saying like, you know, you're not going to get them as quick, but again, here we go market to market. In our market, people don't have cars. People have become totally reliant on app-based mm-hmm. food delivery. So maybe he was actually just saying for our market, even once the spots are taken, it's pretty easy to get on. Because he was also saying, you know, they're they're done by zones. So like if you drive to, he gave me parameters that I understood, street names in Denver. He's like, if you're mm-hmm. in this zone, you'll be checked in for downtown. If you don't, if you check in like where he lives, he'd be checked in for a certain little section of Littleton. Right, right. Um, well, see, and, and that's the you, whole important thing, you know. Like that gets into another another thing. Not to not to take you away from there, but that gets into something totally different, and that's the level of controls that they set these borders for you that you can't go out out of once you are logged in. Um, Jordash does that. Um, Grubhub does that. Grubhub, I'm actually tied into my my uh, my zone, and that's it. I can't get out of my zone even if I want to. On DoorDash, at least you can drive to a different zone, and then you're locked right. into those borders once you once you start dashing. Um, with Shipped, um, you can pick between multiple zones. You can't pick between multiple states. Um, but again, it's 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 all on demand based, and once you're in those zones, you're kind of locked in. Um, so that that's the whole that's the whole other beast of this, right? Is how much exercise of control do these companies actually exert over the um, over the, over the workers. And that can be, a, that can be a significant amount of, a, of the problem. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, somebody so, just put in here, open queue, you get all the bad orders. That's exactly right. Um, you know, same thing with ship, <laughs> same thing with, uh, uh, some of these other apps, you know, I hate to jump in there, but that's so true. And, and that's why open queue is, is not a good thing. Open queue is like, Hey, everybody else rejected these orders. Nobody wants to take them. So, um, please take them so that we can make money. Uh, and, and, and that's where the companies make money and we lose money. Right. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't think any of us veterans, people who wanted AB5, people who want ProAct, people who want ABC tests, I don't even care where you fall. One thing I can universally say is none of us are stoked on the way it is. Right. Especially where I could re- say as a veteran, I'm not stoked because I've watched nothing but incorrect changes happen. No, I still have right. adapted. Have I had to work a couple hours extra that week? Yes. Have I had to change from one night to another because I needed to make that night money instead of the other? Yes, I've had to adapt a few times. But um, I've seen nothing but – I mean, it, it, we, we all know why. In the beginning, they did it to – to populate more drivers than there were riders. There was no other way to come into the market because otherwise if people were, if riders were calling for cars and there weren't cars, they weren't going to come back. So they needed to make sure they had tons of drivers. So there were bonuses, referrals, all this stuff just to get as many drivers out as possible. 
and it lasted a couple of years. Um, but um, so uh, AB5, uh, Prop 22, but I think that um, I know that you have a, you're coaching a, 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 a baseball game tonight, so I don't want to. I, mean, I want to make sure we don't run over today, but um, well, the I do thing think on we that, should just, move in. Just real quick, oh, I'm, I'm good. Go ahead. Um, that, that I had oh. to cancel that it rained, so we we canceled. So we're good. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, one thing I wanted to get, I mean, I definitely want to hit on because I've, I've had emails about it and people asking, and it's it's not so much taking a side; it's pure confusion. And even mm-hmm. I've read it through. You and I talked about this at quite length last week. Um, I've given perspective on it um, before. I, I think that you and I had a good discussion last week, and I think that we need to, because a, a lot of people I know aren't necessarily so opposed to PRO Act. And I think I told you this. It's that ABC portion. And there's a real, there's a real back and forth, almost split of people who believe you will be forced to ABC and people who believe you won't be forced to ABC mm-hmm. with the pro, yeah, if, the, the, if the pro act passed. Yeah. So in speaking to that directly, um, and I appreciate the opportunity to come on here and actually talk about this. Um, a lot of my work revolves around um, understanding these various different things and laws that are going into place and fully diving into it, into it as deep as possible, including reading the entire, entire bill. Um, and I've done that. Sure. And, and, and so I've, I have a full understanding of, of what it is. And obviously it's going to be coming from um, my biases or whatnot. But at the end of the day, I just want to deliver the information as, as, as I understand it um, in a clear and concise way. And um, in regards to PRO Act, um, in everything within the act itself indicates that the ABC test is limited to the walls of the PRO Act itself, meaning that um, the PRO Act only alters or amends the NLRB in regards to the ABC test. And if you go to the actual amendment um, and actually read it, um, it actually says that it's an amendment to the NLRB, which is the National Labor Relations Board Act. Um, And what it amends is the definition of what it is to be an employee only for the purposes of the act itself. So what that means is um, at the end of the day, the only change that would happen is um, the uh, the right to organize would be allocated to gig workers and freelancers, um, where normally it would not be otherwise. Independent contractors under the NLRB cannot be recognized for organization. Now, as you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, whether you believe in that or not, this is the right to choose to organize. And that's what the PRO Act promises is, is, the, is the ability to organize if it, if it were to pass. Um, without it, then people cannot be recognized legally under the NLRB um, for, uh, for organization purposes. And um, uh, gig companies could continue to do what they're doing, which is to um, uh, uh, you know, run, run tactics to stop what it is that we try to advance in our organizing effort. Um, Right now, as it, as it pertains to my organizing efforts in the gig economy, I can tell you that um, the biggest problem that we have is not being able to be recognized as a organization that is trying to advance um, worker, um, worker voices, because that's what we do. We're not trying to become a union um, at this point. If, if our organization right. votes for that or whatever, then, then that's the direction we go. Um, but at the moment, the way that we are now, we're a collective of, and, and I don't want to say a bad word here, but I'll, I'll use pissed off, uh, of pissed off workers that want to get, um, you know, recognition for, for our condition. Um, and, and so we're going to be very vocal about that, and that's what we advance. Um, but as far as what we can force the employer to do, which in this case would be like an Uber, Lyft, Ship, DoorDash, name whoever you want, um, you know, they don't have to recognize us. And we are not protected in any way, shape, or form by any federal law. Um, and so the PRO Act itself, um, within the confines of, of the, the act itself, allows for the NLRB to use the ABC test 
um, and 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 use that test to see if we are employees or if we're independent contractors. Um, that said, outside of the scope of the NLRB um, or the PRO Act, the, uh, the, the PRO Act itself or the ABC test within the PRO Act would not uni- universally change or overnight change um, classification status of, of, of gig workers. Um, and I think that's where the big disinformation campaign is coming from. And a lot of people are, are being subjected to that disinformation. Um, and unfortunately, there's no, no real counter because as loud as I, I try to be or as loud as organizations like, like ours tries to be, um, we don't have that funding. And if you want to look at what happened in Prop 22, um, you know, you don't need to look any further than, than November um, to understand what we're, what we're up against here. So I really enjoy the opportunity and, and very grateful for the opportunity to come talk to your audience about this because it elevates that level of understanding um, because you don't have to take my word for it. I invite you to go read the, the PRO Act and you won't find anywhere in there where it specifically says that the ABC test is going to be p- applied outside. As a matter of fact, um, in the amendment well, while, section. Wait, while, 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 while you're on that, though, real quick. Uh-huh. So uh, I don't know. I don't know why it's coming through as this, because this is uh, this is a listener in Reno um, who's actually a lawyer and a judge. Awesome. Uh, but it says <coughs> ZQW2. This is a, a friend of ours um, who just is signing on. I don't know if you can see his comment, but I asked him to take a look at it today. He deals with uh, laws in Nevada, obviously, and he wasn't even that familiar with any of this. But in the matter of a couple hours, being a lawyer, being a judge, he just whipped through it, and he left a comment here. Did you? Can you see this, or should I read it? Uh, you should read it. I'm reading it myself. But okay, yeah, it. let me read it so that other people can see it, so that other people mm-hmm. can hear it. So it says, I read it, and uh, while it only classifies ICs as employees for the purposes of allowing collective bargaining, the danger is that states will take the language and use it as California tried to before Prop 22, or that a certain number of ICs will vote to unionize. Then, if they win that vote, everyone else would be dragged along. Mm-hmm. Right, and and that's a that's a a real fear that that I keep hearing from from the opposite side of this conversation, and I'd like to address that. Um, the first thing I would point to is that it's a it's a perceived danger, um, just as everything else can be perceived. Um, one of the things that I hear is it's a perceived danger. I hear that it could that it that it might. Um, I could win the lotto tomorrow too, you know, and that's what I like to point out to people is, is there's a lot of things that could happen. Um, the reality is the act itself, and now that's where I was going to, um, the act itself in, in the amendment section, there's a, uh, a section, I believe it's section seven of the amendments where it basically says that it's not to be construed to apply to any state law. Um, so each in each individual municipality, each individual state would still have to go through its normal legislative processes to make such an action occur. Um, and and to be honest with you, the way that I see this thing going and talking to attorney generals from across the country, there's there's a lot of states that are already looking into this from that perspective as far as the ABC test is concerned outside of the scope of, of, of PRO Act. But that's irrelevant to, to the PRO Act, you know, and um, that's where I think the, the most important thing is to note is that within the confines of what the PRO Act actually uses the ABC test for, it's not to globally uh, reclassify workers. And as this uh, guest pointed out or the, the, the commenter pointed out, um, it's only used for the purposes of allowing collective bargaining, which is basically to, um, to, to become a, a, a collective, a union, whatever you want to call yourself, um, basically right to organize. Um, and if a certain amount of people decide to organize and or unionize, that doesn't necessarily mean everybody has to be a part of that union. Um, and this is something that I was very unfamiliar with because I grew up in, in Texas and we don't have um, a real, um, you know, presence of unions here. Um, unions can be considered a bad word here, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, so so from that perspective and looking at it from that that level, um, I can see where people are concerned about that. Um, but in learning more about unionization and understanding what unions are, and I can tell you there's there's. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how to word this, but there's a couple of, of unions out there right now that are trying to already collective bargain with um, Uber and Lyft behind our backs. Um, they're selling you guys down the river and and trying to 
um, strike contracts and, and negotiations behind the scenes so that if and when something like the PRO Act passes, um, it will create major problems for people like me that are trying to organize um, our, our collective workforces. Um, we're trying, my purpose or my, my direction, my vision, I've never been an organizer before, ever in my life. This, now I'm not trying to be a union shill or anything like that. Um, I'm speaking as a, a independent contractor, gig worker um, um, that understands both sides of independent contractor work and gig work. And from my perspective um, is, is that these companies are, 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 are really doing a disservice to workers themselves through the um, disinformation campaigns that are being launched against us. Um, so I think it's really important to dive into these things a lot more deeper. Um, and I hope that we continue this conversation and do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I know that this is a fear of a lot of people's and I keep hearing kind of the same thing, you know, like, well, you, you can view it that way. I mean, it, I think it, it is at a point of like, you know, you can view it both ways, you know, it's, but I, I mean, the, I, it is a fear in many people's heads who I've talked to for a long time, who've been doing this for a long time that are very, very concerned and who have done their homework and they are very concerned. Um, you know what? And that's a very, you know, I can, I can appreciate that 100%. Um, but one of the things I want to point out and make clear is that, you know, things like um, the PRO Act gives us the right to fight back, um, whether or not you want to. Uh, understand that the PRO Act actually creates barriers for organizations like ours in the future, um, because these, these uh, large unions have millions of dollars, too, that I don't have, that collect, the gig workers collected does not have. Um, and it, they will try and, and stomp us out and say these workers belong to us. When in reality, all they've done is, is they created, um, you know, little short surveys or, or things like that to get people's emails addresses and, and act as if they're serving as representation for those people. Um, we, we in turn are actually talking to workers. I talked, I talked when I first started doing this, I talked to 600, over 650 people in a two week period, um, gig workers from various different states. And hearing their stories, hearing where they're coming from, hearing the, 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 the struggles that each one of us has, I mean, it was moving and touching to the point where I decided to put my life on hold and, and, and get involved in this cause, um, dive into it deeper and get a full understanding. Um, but yeah, I can definitely respect, you know, people being afraid. The one thing I want to make sure that people understand, though, is that Prop 22 is the way in California that these gig companies want um, to move everything forward. They started doing that in the UK. They're starting, they did that in, in other, they're, they're starting to do it in other states and they're trying to push that type of legislation. And that is where the extreme danger is for us because it gives them so much control over er, our everyday lives. Um, and, and your audience may, may actually be a, a, a group of people that actually does multi-apping. Multi-apping is illegal in California. You can get deactivated and there's no rem, no recovery from doing it. Um, and there are people that are getting deactivated um, as we speak for it. I mean, I'm not saying this particular instant, but they, the people that I've talked to that have actually been deactivated because of it, um, you know, and, and all because they, they ran to, to do a jack, jack in the box order on the way to drop off a shift order. Um, and right. that makes no sense. You know, it's not fair. We should be independent. Um, and if they're taking away the truest form of our independence by removing, um, you know, those, those levels of controls that we have. Right. Um, yeah, I can, I mean, you know, these, uh, these algorithms are set up for what they are. So we do have a couple, I mean, so if you, I just had a couple other, con I have London on the line too, is my guest next week, Morad. Um, he is a uh, driver at London. Um, you can find yep. him on social media, whatever he's on here today. And I was trying awesome. to see if he had any status update. I just posted it. Um, going on from London because I'd like to know because he's actually he saw this flip last week and he's actually working and driving since it happened and I he's the one that sent me those screenshots that you you saw that I put on Twitter and uh -huh. uh, I think you saw what the London drivers were seeing when they were turning yeah, on. Yeah, and I appreciated that. It led us on immediately to what was going on over there. We have connections over there as well, but um, you guys were a little bit faster in getting that, so I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, it drew a lot of questions for sure. Yeah, so I'm hoping he posts something here because I'd like to know how this week has been, how it's being played out from the from a driver's standpoint. But I know that we just addressed um, 
Sam from Reno's question, his, uh, his first question here. But then there were a couple follow-ups behind it that kind of, I think, just read into the same thing. We have um, M- MBPJ38 says, uh, the way the proactive, I think she means pro, or they, he, she means proact reads, it appears as though the ABC test can be used to eliminate IC. And then we have another one. If an organizing collective decides to unionize, it could negatively impact drivers who don't want to join the union. Seems like this is a con- this is what I was trying to tell you last week too. This is what I get bombarded with all the time. And these are people who have been doing this for a while who are concerned. I mean, some of these people I know very well. Um, you know, and, and they're not they're not just getting they're not just getting into this and going, wait, I don't get it, and I don't want to. They they do understand. It seems like a a fear that you almost can't take away from a lot of people, though, because they seem to yeah. see it a different way. Mm-hmm. And I know this happens. This is why you and I are doing this. This is why right. we wanted to get together and just because most people can't talk. They can't talk about both sides. <laughs> yeah, and I and I and I get that. You know, I can I can one hundred percent respect the fact that there's going to be opposing views to the one particular issue, and that's why we're having these discussions. And it's all important at the end of the day. Uh, the one thing I would encourage is to be able to answer that question yourself. And at the end of the day, it's like where in the pro act does it specifically say that? Um, you know, that it's going to uh, the ABC test is going to be used to eliminate independent contractor work because I read the whole thing and I didn't find anywhere. I mean, a lawyer just came on here and said that um, it's going to be used for the purposes of collective bargaining, um, you know, and I'm not a lawyer. Um, so I want to make that clear. You know, at the end of the day, it's, it's how we read these things and where we can find it. So if you feel that, I think that it's really important to be able to point to it. Um, and, you know, I don't mean that in, in, in any disrespectful manner to, by, by no means. I no, just want to no, make sure to advance the conversation that we're looking at the same yeah. things. Um, and right. if organizing, I just want to make sure decides, I'm shouting out to the people I know who are yeah. putting things in here, at least, even though it's, even if we've touched on it a little, but, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's just, I, you know, obviously this concern comes up and, um, Yeah, I mean, part of what you said, too, holds true is that, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, people should at the same time realize every day these companies, these gig companies are looking for ways to squeeze its workers more. Because, again, (laughs) and Willie and I were having a laugh about this last week because, um, you know, Uber hasn't turned one profit, not one, in 10 years, Um, or at least not one that's been on the books. Um. Uber, you can take that for however you want. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. when they were all VC capital money, it was different. That's a lot different. That's more wild, wild west. When they right. went public, that makes it. I mean, we we know there's a lot of companies that do shady things who trade and stuff. So I'm sure it didn't make them. They all their hands were clean and everybody. They're a different model. However, it did put them under different standards and much more guidance as to what can and can't be done. And we've seen that the past year as they've sold off divisions. I mean, autonomous is gone. Um, You know, the Elevate is being sold. I mean, these were like, these were multi-million, if not billion-dollar parts of Uber for years past. And now they're just being sold off. So, I mean, I think they finally, you know, as a technology company, we can agree that that technology is not somewhere. And I've always said this autonomous elevate. So flying cars, all this stuff, it is all real folks. However, Uber has never been a top runner. They're never in the front five. They're always in the back 40 kind of playing catch up and just in the game. So, I mean, it made it more of like, where's this money going? So it almost became, is this really just a money dump or are you making partnerships or what's going on? Because they were never, you know, they were never Waymo with an autonomous. They're never, the, they're not like designing the LIDAR and perfecting something that another company can't do. And I don't mean this mean, although I might a little mean it mean, is that Uber's nowhere near the standards of these companies that are way farther than them in these areas. So, um, you know, why did they dump them off? Because they can't make money. And they need to finally get down to the model, which is rideshare. They need to quit worrying about helicopters and flying cars and autonomous and this and that and the other. 
and let the 900 other companies who have a lot more experience do it and focus on rideshare. I think that's been a fear of theirs, and that's why they've been called a technology company, because they were able to call it diversified and be all over the map. But now we're at a point where it is kind of just food delivery and rideshare. So, I mean, that's... Um, that's what we, I mean, that's what we get with these companies. And I, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're working against us. We want some resolution. Personally, I don't want a union. It's, it's, it seems like my, here's my biggest thing. And what I hope anybody comes away from this with is that you, it's, it, it's so hard for me. And I do the same thing that Willie does. I talk to, um, um, rideshare drivers all the time. And so do uh, the other guys at with para that I work with Jimmy and David, who I think are both on right now. Um, we do the same thing. And it's, it's, it's tough. Cause we're all market to market. It's different. Um, the comeback is different. How people view this is different. How they use it is different, but nobody's barely anybody. I know really, really, takes in both sides. And this happens a lot with just your opinion. But in this one specifically, I've noticed a lot of people. That's why I really liked Willie's perspective because he had he understood both sides and we had a good conversation. But a lot of people just are either no or yes. But if and if you ask them about where they sit and why, they can tell you all day long and they'll hit the facts spot on. But if you ask them, okay, but now I want you to to be the other side and just the best you can find five points to defend it. That should be a doable thing in any conversation. Uh-huh. You should be able to see the other side and go, okay, I can see these five points. I can see where they might get. This could be a problem, you know, or yeah. whatever. Even if they have a thousand of why it, it won't work, they should be able to. Fl- and I haven't until you, until I talk to you, it's really weird there aren't people out there who they can do it. They just can't, or they won't. I don't know which one it is, but I have a feeling it's because they don't understand the other side. And I would agree with you and on I that, do- actually. Um, 100% agree with you. I think a lot of it has to do with the the, uh, the nuances of, of, of being able to um, uh, want to understand the other side uh, and, and reversing roles and, and trying to look away from the political and ideological um, thinking that we we've all grown up with. It's, it's very difficult to walk away from that. Um, so I really appreciate the conversation for sure. And, and the ability to, to share it with your audience, because I think it's really important that, um, you know, the example be set for, for this conversation. I can tell you um, in talking just right before even coming on the show, um, I get blasted all the time and, you know, and, and the whole thing isn't about like, I want to engage in those conversations. Right. But when people start with the name calling or or anything like that, or going down those roads, then the conversation ceases. There's no conversation at that point. It's not going to advance. So I think it's really necessary. And you're not going to ever get their ear. (laughs) No, no, no. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, they're not going to even look at your point. So there's no point in continuing it. Um, but yeah, no, having this conversation with you today and, and last week, I can tell you, it's very, very refreshing, um, to sit down and say, Hey, let's, let's talk this stuff through, you know, at the end of the day, I think there's a lot of commonality that we, we both are coming away with. And, and at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're at the same side of things. You want the choice to not be in a union. And I want people to have that choice. Um, you know, I'm not saying I want them to be in a union. I'm saying they should have a right to, it's a fundamental um, part of right. our society is to, to organize and to be be vocal, all right? And and here's these companies stripping it away. So I think it's really important that people have that choice. And I think based on what you and I are, are have discussed today, that we're both on the same the same level um, in regards to that particular point, which is people should have the ultimate choice. I agree, and that, and you even said it when you you know when you said I want. I want to have the choice to be independent contractor. You're fighting for the choice to have union. Bottom line is that's where Willie and I meet. We want the choice. You can take out all the rest people. We want the choice. We want it to be, if you want to be in a union and you believe in unions and you, you think in your uh, market, a union would benefit you or you know it or whatever. um, I want you to have that right. But in that same market, if I know a rideshare driver who 
works a lot of crazy shifts that he doesn't want to work because he makes a lot of money. I want him to be able to do what he wants to do too. And maybe a lot of, maybe some people see that as man, you're reaching, can't have everything you want, but it should be that way. I mean, if the unions want to have a piece of it, that's fine. If the people want to be in the union, I mean, right. I th- I think anyway. I I believe that people should have the choice to which road they get to go down with this. I don't think that at any point this should become a forced hand. You know, and that's the um, ultimate. Um, that's the ultimate way of thinking about our society. I mean, that's that's ultimately what the labor movement and and what you know our fundamental um, basis of, of of being American is, right? And that's to have a choice in what we do and how we do it and what we say. Um, you know, and 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 for all this, you know, for all this back and forth on disinformation, whether people want to accept it or not, um, companies should not have that ability to spread this much mud on something that fundamentally allows for choice, um, you know, and, and that's where I think my biggest uh, opposition to to not having these conversations is, is that, you know, we need to be brave enough to stand up and say, hey, at the end of the day, we're fighting for the basic fundamental rights that we all grew up thinking and I, I, I thinking that we had. Um, and to allow gig, uh, gig companies to come in and, and cloud that is is just unfathomable to me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It looks like and it looks like we're getting some good comments here from some of the people who, uh, um, you know, I know pretty well here. We got uh, David said, yes, plus one to Willie coming on and providing much needed nuance. Um, we have a caller. Uh, excellent call. Thanks. Um, I have a regular listener, Katie, who's an Uber driver in Las Vegas. that said, thanks, Steve and Willie for talking about this. And I know Katie, I've talked to her before. And I know that she means specifically for us talking about this, not yelling, which is what you were just talking about, mm-hmm. how everybody always yells. That's what she's been in. She's been trying to get through this. And every time she talks to somebody on either side, she's found. She's like, every time I go to somebody who's pro, pro-act or anti, they just start within a minute yelling at me. And I'm, I didn't say anything. <laughs> Yeah, why would you? So, Katie, <laughs> you know? Katie, Katie, I hope I didn't just like pull you out of the lurches there and like where you didn't want to be. But I mean, bottom line is, is I mean, that's what we were talking about. I don't know if you were on already at that point, but um, but that's that's what we were saying is that you, you know it's that's what happens. People just start yelling. So hopefully, even anybody that joined us for a few minutes caught on to this. And if nothing else, man, learn and let's have more conversations about this because this is how it becomes not – this is how things become not a conspiracy theory and instead we get to some fact and foundation and can start actually learning from each other and maybe even working with each other to get the outcomes all of us are looking for so that we're all happy. You, know, you can't please all the people all the time, but maybe you can. <laughs> well, at least open the ground to that? that type of work. You know what I mean? At, at, at the bottom, yeah. bottom line, at the end of the day, let's let's advance the conversation instead of going at each other's throats about things that we don't fully understand. Let's let's get a, let's dive deep and talk about these things and work through the problem instead of letting the problem work us. Exactly. I mean, guys, remember, in the end. No matter what you want, if it, like, I'm going to use rideshare for a minute because I know we got app-based delivery people on. I know we got other gig work things on. But in in the end, if you're a driver um, and you and you want the pro act and all this, and then you're a driver and you don't want it, you guys are still both drivers. You've been through the lurches. You understand what it's like to be a driver, and I'm sure that both sides have their reasons for not liking the company. <coughs> And I'm sure both sides, in most cases, people have an idea of how they'd rather see it go. But how can we figure that out and come to some agreements and understandings of, okay, maybe unions and not being in the union could be a thing. And or, hey, I learned something from that guy. How can that happen if we're if we're just sitting in groups by ourselves with people who agree with everything we say? Yep. I mean, I hate to I hate uh, to sound that blatant about it, but 
I mean, if you just go hang out (laughs) with 10 people that agree with you, great, but you're not going to get anywhere. I mean, 100% spot on, man. Great, great job on that one. (laughs) So with that, um, I I don't know. It was really great to have you on, Willie. I'm glad we got to do the podcast. Um, But I want to have you back if, if you'd be into it. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever, um, you know, let's, let's reconnect and, and talk about it more. It, it, these conversations are absolutely necessary. And it's not just this topic. So, there's, there's so many different topics that we can talk about. Well, I'm looking at, I'm looking at trying to do a roundtable. I can have up to eight guests on the call. So the next time maybe we could have like, you know, a mixed batch of people and see where that goes. But I just wanted to see it. I just wanted to test the waters live first today. See, you know, that we had nobody in here going, you, you guys suck. It's only this way. <laughs> Screw you. I just didn't want to see any of that. And I did. It was a very polite room. Um, so everybody that joined us, thank you very much. And uh, um, have a great rest of your day. And uh, we'll get Willie back on. Willie, again, thank you for joining us and bringing your insights. Right on, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate you back. Okay. Thanks, guys. Uh, Podcast will drop tomorrow, so if you missed the live, uh, you'll have to catch it on the flip side in the morning. Peace.